it was at the end of the 40 days and nights that God gave me those two slabs of stone, the tablets of the covenant. And then God said, get going and get down the mountain. So I turned around and started down the mountain. And by now the mountain was blazing with fire, carrying the two tablets of the covenant in my two arms, going down the mountain. And then I saw it. There you were sinning against God, your God. You had made yourself a, a cast God in the shape of a calf. So soon you had left the road that God had given you to walk on. And I held the two stone tablets high and I threw them down, smashing them to bits so that you could see it. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Light of the world, may your word be a lamp unto our path, that we may walk in the way of the truly human. For as Irenaeus said, the glory of God is the human being fully alive. Amen. Well, uh, Normally, those of us in Jacksonville associate St. Simon's Island with the revelry of the University of Georgia after they beat Florida, that annual uh, cocktail party down there. Uh, I, uh, growing up in Jacksonville, I didn't go to Florida, but uh, you know, as a child, I, I revered Steve Spurrier and Charlie Casey and Richard Trapp and all those, those guys from the from the Gators back long ago. Uh, so it's been a hard few years for me. Uh, not, not that they're at the top. See, I have several teams, and they're, they're not at the top, but they're, they're in there. So anyway, but my, my history here is, is uh, at least over, I guess, over 30 years long. Um, my wife's parents bought a house over there on 12th Street, right down the other side of Mallory. And um, they intended to retire here. And then um, my wife's grandfather got sick in Boca Raton, so they went down there to take care of him. And they never really got to live very long here in retirement because then my father-in-law got sick and died. And so my mother-in-law lived here for a while with uh, one of my sisters-in-law. And then... Uh, my mother-in-law died, and then my sister-in-law and her husband moved into that house, and uh, I bet some of you probably know Chris and Brent Taylor. I don't know if any of you do, but they, they lived down there uh, for quite a few years. It, it's still their house, but they also are having health issues, and so they're now uh, down in Jacksonville getting some help. So both of my, my mother-in-law and father-in-law are buried at the cemetery up on, you know, toward the north end of the island. Um, so that is a part of my history here, but the other part is maybe a little happier, which is that for, for all these decades, we've been having family reunions here. My wife's family comes from all over the country and they love to be here at the beach. And so every summer, we have uh, a week with all the nieces and nephews and scattered outlaws. And uh, it, it, so this place, this whole island for us, is a place of, of great beauty and joy and tremendous 
memories of family togetherness. Um, so to be here today, finally on the inside, is really a treat for me. And um, one I've, I've already shared a little bit with my family, and they're eager to hear my report today. So thank you for the invitation. I really appreciate it. Um, Mel Brooks, uh, he uh, made a movie called A History of the World. And you may remember in one of the scenes, Moses is coming down from the mountain and he's clutching these tablets. And, he, and he's coming down and he, and he says, I've received 15. And oh, and he drops one. He says, I mean 10 commandments <laughs> from God. But actually, the scene isn't, isn't faithful to the scripture, obviously, because uh, this, the, the text from both Exodus and Deuteronomy tells us that Moses didn't accidentally drop the tablets. He broke them. He intentionally flung them down. He smashed them to bits. The Israelites sinned by creating an idol, a golden calf. God is furious and is considering just wiping them all out, but Moses acts heroically, courageously, to intercede on behalf of his people. Moses stood in the breach before God, says Psalm 106, to turn back God's anger from destroying. And so the same story that was told in, in Exodus chapter 32 is now here re revisited and revised in Deuteronomy. In Exodus, Moses has, is enraged and throws down the tablets. Here in Deuteronomy, he does not act in anger. It is a deliberate act. The Talmud, the long history of, of rabbinic interpretation of the Torah, praises and applauds Moses for breaking the tablets. Way to go, Moses. Congratulations, Moses. But why? What was Moses thinking? How could he shatter these most holy objects, this personal communication, the very finger of God writing on those tablets? How we frame breaking makes all the difference. Think about the English language. You can break up or you can break down. You can have a good break or a bad break. You can break in or break out. You can take a break. Give me a break. You can break even. Morning has broken. In the Hebrew, lishbor shibartam, means to break apart, to crush into pieces, even as if to make available for nourishment. So how could Moses' shattering of the tablets be seen positively? Let's, let's think some more about breaking, breaking apart. We all go through changes. There are shifts in our world I, I was talking to one of you, I think, who lived here on this island since the 1940s. Amazing changes here, right, on the island. Things 
you know, some things bulldozed and, and other things built up. Think of all the changes that have happened of how society changes, old customs that have come to an end and maybe we are regretful that they have, but then in some cases maybe we're thankful that those old customs are gone. There, were, there have been revolutions that tear things up and something new comes. Profound changes, maybe after a change in your family. And God says, good, good that the cement tablets are broken, good that the certainties of a particular church or political party that thinks it has all the right answers are, are qualified. Good that these incomplete truths are released so that we can learn more, graduate to a higher grade. There is a Hasidic teacher named Akusta Ribi who said there is nothing so whole as a broken heart. Psalm 51 says, My sacrifice to you, O God, is a broken heart, a broken and contrite spirit you will not despise. But there is a difference between the pain of things breaking apart or, or coming to an end the, and the pain of measuring those almost inevitable changes and losses against some ideal of how it was supposed to be. Most of us enter into marriage with a vision of how it is supposed to be. We have children and we have dreams for them of how their lives are supposed to evolve. We have expectations for our career, for our families, I, I see this all the time in basketball coaching. Uh, my son is a, a basketball coach in the Orlando area, and he, uh, his biggest struggle is with parents who have these expectations and visions for their child being the next uh, Duke signee, the next Division I player, and really how many ever make it to that level, but it is so hard to help parents understand that even though little Mary or little Johnny was, was awesome as a fourth grader, maybe by the time they're 15, they're just merely a little bit above average. And so it's hard. It's a hard thing to accept. And, and so the pain of the reality is magnified by the resistance we live with a counterfactual resistance. It shouldn't be like this. My, my marriage shouldn't be like this. My, the, my end stage of life shouldn't be like this. We end up adding suffering to suffering. We feel as if we're the pain, uh, the pain of not measuring up to our ideal is, is uh, something that we just can't reconcile. The disciples... They couldn't believe it when, when Jesus foretold his passion. When Jesus said, take up a cross and follow me, they said, no, that's not the right way. When Jesus said that God's beloved would be tortured and crucified, no, that can't be. That's not how it's supposed to be. 
That's not the truth of the Messiah. But Jesus said, if I be lifted up, I will draw all people, all people to myself. And if a grain falls into the ground, then it will bear fruit. We say at the Lord's Supper, this is my body, which is broken, broken. God says yes to Jesus when the disciples said no. This is my beloved, and yes, he will be broken. And so it must be for all who wish to identify themselves as Christ ones. This is how the kingdom of God arrives. If the Israelites could make a golden image out of an animal and make that into an idol, I guess we're capable of making almost anything into a reified truth to worship. Moses broke the tablets in order to remind the Jews not to make even that word of God made by the finger of God into an idol. The Protestant church, for all of its good reforms, just lapsed right into that idolatry. If you can make this into the thing itself, you're lost. Every good therapeutic insight is a breaking of the tablets that you have received. The limits on your emotional possibilities that you receive from home, the received tablets of things you mustn't do or think or feel in order to be loved, in order to be happy. We need teachers who are willing to break tablets in front of us, before our eyes, so that we can see the possibility of something more. At the end of a Jewish wedding, they say, Mazel tov, and they break glasses. The wedding is perfect, but the marriage is messy. Love is what happens when things break apart. So, dear Islanders, if I may call you that, what needs to be broken in order for you to be free? What within you, what scars or wounds need to be touched so that you may understand and receive the air and light that heals? What wisdom and transformation is possible when we are the broken body of Christ? As this church moves through transition, what will need to be left on the mountainside so that you can move forward into what is promised? A community of broken people God can use a broken heart is the most whole thing in the world. Amen.